bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good midweek morning, Eagles fans. Appreciate you getting in with us here on Birds 365. We're streaming with the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, and we'll shoot the breeze on the birds for the next two hours right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny Mac, when I was picking out what shirt I was going to wear today, I said, you know what? Let me go with the Temple Cherry and Red. Yeah, <laughs> that's the- a good one. The Eagles have added another former Temple coach to their coaching staff for the upcoming season. Uh, we'll give you the details of that coming up in just a sec. But first things first, when uh, free agency kicked in and the Eagles had as many guys eligible for free agency as they did, they kept some very important ones. They've lost some key guys or so it looks. They were going to have to bring in some guys from outside the organization to uh, fill in some of the voids on this roster. Well, they did that at one position yesterday with the, with the addition of Nick Morrow, former Bear and Raider linebacker who comes in here to Philly to potentially grab one of the two starting linebacker spots since they lost both of their starting linebackers via free agency. It looks good on paper. The guy had uh, well over 100 tackles this year. And the note that, that jumped out to me was, John, that he played Every defensive snap for the Chicago Bears this year. Talk about a guy who, who answers the bell, gets out there on the field. Certainly Nick Morrow did that. Uh, no no Pro Bowl mentions, no all pros. Seems like a solid linebacker. What have you been able to unearth on what Nick Morrow brings to the Eagle linebacking core? Well, he comes from that football factory, Greenville University, uh, you know. Yeah, see, um, I didn't even know what colors they were. It, it, had I known, I might have dug in for a T-shirt with those that's colors. That's true. You should have won Greenville University. Yeah, wh- what Tampa. color do they wear, John? I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, neither do uh, I. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, not, uh, you know, uh, look, I mean, the Eagles are sort of draft-proofing their roster right now and by that i mean you never want to go in the draft saying i need a linebacker i i need a safety so you have to bring in bodies and i think they're in that portion of the offseason 
yeah, he does have experience playing. He started in the NFL, as you mentioned, played uh, uh, a lot last year for a bad team. 17 games, started all 17. So durability is nice. You know, when you don't have any experience, and that's where the Eagles basically are, I mean, Nicobe Dean, for all his upside, played, I think, 32 snaps, defensive snaps last year. Um, Christian Ellis, special teamer, you know, nice story. Um, and, and and people are high on him. Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor. Davion, I think, has started seven games. He would be, you know, the old vet in the linebacker room. So Nicholas Morrow comes in with experience and, and, and playing style, but boy, you know, as I read up on him, six foot, 216 pounds. Um, boy, I get an Eric Wilson sort of taste in my mouth. Uh, you know, obviously he can run a little bit. Well, you should be able to run. Um, but I, I don't think this is much like we said yesterday at safety. I don't think this is the end uh, of, of linebacker, but they needed some kind of veteran presence, some kind of placeholder, and he'll get an opportunity to compete. That's been the definition of the guys the Eagles have added. Now, they'll get an opportunity to compete, but if they find somebody better, they find somebody better, and and there's not much risk involved in moving on. I think this is a another player in that category uh, is basically where I would go with Nicholas Morrow. What we don't know yet is what the terms of the deal are. We know it's a one-year deal. Uh, how much above the veteran minimum is it going to be? Uh, we're certainly going to comp them to the two linebackers that left in T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White. Basically comes down to a trade of T.J. Edwards for uh, uh, Morrow, uh, with Morrow making what we assume to be significantly less. And that's an important part of this puzzle here in that the Eagles have the, the cap situation they're in right now. They decided they couldn't afford to keep T.J. Edwards at what his salary was going to be, so they bring in a cheaper version. Can he be a reasonable facsimile? We're going to have to wait and see until he gets out there on the field to see if that's the case. Uh, but you did beat me to the punch because I remember last year when I was uh, over the moon with the addition of uh, Nicobe Dean, you did point out that, Jody, you do realize he's a little on the smaller side, and that's the reason why he dropped down into the third round because I thought he was a borderline uh, first-round talent, certainly a second-round talent. Couldn't believe the Eagles got him in the third. But for NFL linebacker sides, he's slightly undersized. Well, Nick Morrow's even smaller. Uh, so if you're going to put the two of them together, N'Kobe Dean playing last year aside, T.J. Edwards might have been okay because T.J. Edwards is your big linebacker, was and, and could have been if he had chosen to stay here in Philadelphia. Now you're putting someone who's even smaller than Nicobe Dean next to him on the field as of right now. You're right. We still got a lot of offseason to go. Maybe the Eagles add another linebacker via free agency, maybe trade. Maybe they actually pick a linebacker reasonably high in the draft. I'll have to wait and see on that. But as of right now, the two guys who would look to be their starters, who you would project to be their starters, both a little on the smallish side, JM. Yeah, and maybe, you know, Christian – Ellis uh, develops and 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 or Davion Taylor turns the corner. Davion's not a big guy either, though. Well, he's bigger than these guys. He's bigger than the two guys you mentioned, significantly bigger. Um, he's not huge. He's not TJ, but he, you know he's two thirty. You know he's got a little bit more height on him. 
Um, so, you know, maybe one of those guys develop uh, a little bit uh, um, and, and they can go in that direction. Maybe they get somebody in the draft, as you mentioned. Um, but you always got to worry about startup costs there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, hey, going back to last offseason, you know, I thought it was a theme. I talked about it a lot. I said, you know, this team's really undersized, you know, and it went past linebacker and you still had TJ Edwards, but I, w- I was talking about Kaiser White. I was talking about Hassan Reddick up front um, because he's he's very small for the position he plays. You're moving a, a slot corner to play safety. How is run support going to look? Um, and they overcame it, but they weren't a great tackling team. I think we, you know, they got better. They were really bad that week one in Detroit. And you said, oh boy, uh, they were a really bad tackling team and they got better. They slowly got better. Um, another indication, they just do not care about stopping the run or it's about, you know, Jordan Davis or, or Linval Joseph, uh, if, if, if they can get Linval back, if he even wants to play, if they get Noah Ellis, who's Christian's brother, up to speed, you know, he's 350 pounds. That player, whoever that player is, and it's going to be Jordan Davis, but that player, and I've said it from day one, is really, really important in this defensive philosophy because those guys are responsible for basically keeping offensive linemen off of these 220 pound linebackers. And that's really, really important because you can imagine, you can see it from the other side. You see what happens when Jason Kelsey gets the second level. I mean, good night. That's what they're trying to do in Philadelphia. Uh, keep that guy on the other side. And luckily there's not many Jason Kelsey's, but you saw it a little bit in the Super Bowl with Creed Humphrey. Creed's, you know, a really good player. And when he got to the second level, it was an issue. Um, that's what they're trying to do. And that's why that position is so important. And it's even going to be more important because you don't have TJ Edwards now. True. And uh, they're, they're banking on their linebackers, whoever they may be, being playmakers. And you got to give them a chance to make plays. I think Nicole Dean's going to be able to do that. Um uh, you can trust the Eagles uh, roster for as much as you think you can. Uh, we, you and I have been doing this a long time. Uh, what they write, uh, write down or type in on their roster as sides for players doesn't always necessarily match up. Uh, but uh, they list Nicobe Dean at 231 pounds, which is the same as Christian Ellis, which is 15 more than the linebacker they added yesterday. And Davion Taylor is uh, 230 pounds. So they've got three linebackers listed basically at the same exact thing. With all due respect, I see those guys every day during right. the season. And Nicobe Dean is nowhere near the size of Davion Taylor or Christian Ellis. Nowhere near the size so take those listed weights crumple them up throw them in the circular pile i mean <laughs> nowhere near it's not even as tall i mean they're given you know they do it all the time they do it more in college um you know they give some guys a, a few inches a few pounds but yeah not close jody 
Not yeah. close. I just just felt I needed to note that, even though I know exactly where you're coming from, and I tend to agree. And Nicobe's not even six foot. Uh, if we're talking height, then he is certainly the smallest of a bunch of guys. Like Christian Ellis is certainly bigger, but they put them both down at the same exact weight of 231 pounds. I don't know if uh, Nicobe added a solid <laughs> 10 pounds of muscle during I'll, the year. I'll he wasn't playing you. all that much, so he should spend all that much more time in the right weight room, John. Maybe put uh, on ten pounds of muscle, like well, Alex Well, and, and and by the way, Nicobe's game is about instincts, and I thought the one game where he did play a little bit, he showed incredible instincts and all that stuff. His his game is about getting to the football, um, you know, before uh, and and look, he played at Georgia. Who was at Georgia with him? Jordan Davis. That was the whole point. Jordan Davis takes up blockers. Um, the Kobe's free to get to the football and it worked out beautifully at the college level. That's what you're trying to replicate at the pro level. That's the same thing. You're trying to keep offensive linemen off them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. He's a small guy for playing linebacker, but it's a different era of the NFL. You know, it's not 1985 where you need the big powerful in between. who's going to go downhill and take on blockers and, Stop running backs. It's about more of a, a spread game, athletic game, and and all that stuff. Nicobe does very, very, very well. But uh, yeah, he's very he's he's undersized. He's very small, and, and to the point where if you see him, you go, "That's a linebacker." You know, it's one of those things. And one of the things that does scare me about the Eagles linebacker core, as it is right now, and again, still very early in the offseason, uh, certainly uh, the possibility of change. I don't think it's a great group for covering. That's why I, I'm okay with tomorrow uh, signing yesterday because he's a flat-out tackler. When when you uh, move on from Kaiser White and T.J. Edwards, I thought both of them were T.J. well above average tackler and Kaiser White a darn good tackler. And I thought Kaiser White was a pretty good coverage linebacker as well. T.J. was a much improved coverage linebacker because the year before and when he was filling in the year before that, and it was okay at best. Some tight ends were able to outmaneuver him. He's not going to be asked uh, to cover any uh, guys in the slot or wideouts or stuff like that. But backs, tight ends, not great at it. Oh, I don't think he absolutely improved at it during his time here in Philadelphia. I did see a stat that the uh, passer rating against Nick Morrow last year was in excess of 100, like 105, which is not great. But that's... If you've got an undersized guy, you would think that one of his strengths is his ability to cover guys out of the backfield. Not necessarily so. And you've got a new defense coordinator. We believe he's much like the old defensive coordinator and that he's going to be running the uh, his version of the Nick Fangio defense. We don't know how much they're going to lean on linebackers to cover. I think they're going to have extra D-backs on the field a lot. Uh, so it's going to be some, but not an over amount. Um, you expect the linebackers still to have to be able to be pretty damn good in coverage on this team, don't you, John? Um, yeah, I, I do think people um, overestimate. Like, I don't know who they're looking for. Like, when you put out numbers like passer rating for linebackers, most of them are pretty bad, to be honest. Even the good um, uh, coverage linebackers are pretty bad. It's, it's a mismatch from an offensive perspective, typically. Um, it's really difficult. But when you have a linebacker that can make things more difficult, uh, 
that's sort of what you're looking for. Uh, a, a smart linebacker. I would say Jack Del Rio is one of the best nickel linebackers I ever saw. Different era. Couldn't run a lick, but he was just so smart. He was always in the right spot. Um, in, in, in that, especially when you're playing as much zone, and I think if anything, the Eagles are going to play more zone, which is going to upset people. But um, it, that's really important communication and that's where nicobe dean because nicobe's a really really smart kid really smart and i don't think he's going to have any issues with stuff like that i think he's going to be in the right spot and and that helps and and to give moro as an example you gave well you say the passer rating well that looks bad you know he was if you go to pff you know, he was 38 out of 70 in coverage, which is okay. That's not bad. Yeah, 38 by, out of 70. Bottom half. Um, it's, it's mediocre. Well, what, when you get to the point as a run defender, 74 out of 85. Like, he can't stop the run at all, which is no surprise. How the hell do you get 115 pounds. tackles if he's that bad against Well, the if you're tackling seven yards down the field, you're not effective, Jody. I mean, you're making a tackle. The old Eric Wilson quote I loved, and that's why I keep saying it, it's like a 20-point score on a bad NBA team. That's what I got on Eric Wilson. When you have a bad team, somebody's got to do something when it comes to filling up the box score. And if you're if you're tackling somebody – seven yards down the field, well, that's in the box score, but it's not really an effective play. And 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 he's not an effective run support player. He's better in coverage, um, at least when you compare it. But linebackers as a whole, they don't cover that well. Even the good ones, they don't cover that well. I mean, that's not the, the strength of their game, and that's one of the issues, and that's why – People around the NFL try to get more defensive backs on the field, and we're down to two linebackers playing the majority of the plays, and a lot of teams go to one linebacker. Why? Because they're trying to cover people, and linebackers in general can't cover people, and he's better than most at coverage. He's not better than most in run support. All right. Um, I give credit for guys tackling. And the Bears defense this past year, if he's making uh, tackles seven or eight yards down the field, it's probably because one of those offensive linemen got to the second level and is trying to block him because you talk about a team without a front. The Bears were so bad. They, like, fell apart when they traded Robert Quinn. And then we got to see Robert Quinn. He can't play anymore. And that was, like, a massive loss for the Bears. That's how bad their defensive front was. So I'll, I'll put it more on them than uh, our new eagle linebacker, Mr. Morrow, and his ability to stop the run. Hi, John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Mac and Mac. Got two good Eagle guests lined up for you today. First up is Mike Gill. We might do a little, just a quick commentary on Clearwater because Gill was down in Clearwater <laughs> looking at a little Phillies before we get into the Eagles. And a little bit later, Bo Wolf, Johnny's compatriot in the uh, Eagles uh, beat core. We'll jump aboard. Haven't had Bo on in probably over a month now, so it'll be good to catch up with him. So we got two good guests coming your way. We hope you stick around. Don't even think about going anywhere. Stay streaming and with us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. 
Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. get together here on the Jacob Vita YouTube channel. Right, we got 200 and change of you guys streaming in at least a handful. You hit that like button. Give us a little uh, love if you'd be so kind. Uh, we'll show a little love to our first guest of the day. That would be Mike Gill. I'm trying to judge via my little screen here. Looks like he got some color down there in Clearwater. And, yeah, and I think you're great weather. Down in Florida. Not great weather, Mike. Wasn't great weather, man. I got the cold week. Oh. That's yeah, how it goes. Suck it up, uh, big guy. Goes. Hey, if yeah. you're down in Florida watching the Better than being here. You can only be so side. bad, right, Mike Gill? Yeah, yeah well, I'm not complaining. I'm not like, you know, uh, a man of my size isn't hitting the beach too often. But, uh, you know, it would <laughs> have been makes nice. us, That makes us three for three here. Thank yeah, you very much for, watch for noting that. I just, you know, some of my favorite spots, you know, like the Clearwater Bait House, for instance. I, it was too cold. To, you know, I'm, you're with the ladies. Like, like the girlfriends don't want to go because they're cold. So you can't even sit outside and eat at the outside venues. It was too cold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Any Phillies news for us? Let's get that, um, that down. I, I saw them play a couple times. I got to, you know, a lot of them are at the WBC. And, yeah. But the they one were guy great who, at, the, at the World Baseball Classic, it was uh, basically the Phillies. Uh, yeah, I know. I saw somebody tweet something today like the Phillies hit 348 as a bunch, the rest of the team hit three, 245 or something yeah. like that. Uh, Alec Bohm hit a home run the other day when I was there that almost cleared the tiki bar. I mean, this guy is starting to open some eyes about whether or not, you know, we hear these football terms. We'll, we'll bring it back to football. You know, he's the best shape of his life. You know, he looks 10 pounds heavier. Bone physically does look bigger, and the results are starting to, to be bigger as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, World Baseball Classic, we finally got to see Otani and Mike Trout in a big situation, if you want to count that that is a big situation. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Trout let America down. I'm not good. That was a great seal ski line. I'm, I'm joking. But uh, it was entertaining. Um, I'm not sure. But anything that, that brings attention to baseball, I'm a fan of. So I, I think people enjoyed that this year. I got yeah, the one night. I got to tell you, one night we're. I'm heavy into the NCAA tournament. All right, I love it. I, I watch every single second of every game, and we're at this place, and they had three TVs, but they're all connected. So whenever is on that TV has to be on all three. It's a brand new spot. They haven't quite figured out. We're watching one of the basketball games, and when that was over, they flipped over to one of the WBC games, which. I'm a baseball guy, but I'm not heavily invested in the WBC. And I said, dude, you got to give me the basketball. See, like, I'm the exact opposite, Mike. I used to love the NCAA tournament. Now I don't, I don't know what it is. I just don't care nearly as much. Maybe it's, it's, you know, guys that don't stay around so you don't get invested in certain teams. It's yeah. not the same to me. I, I don't know. I No, I, it's – they're definitely – it's like the Duke North Carolina rivalry doesn't really feel the same because no. the kids aren't playing each other for four years anymore. It's a one year deal and then they're gone. It's like that that whole battle of you beat me when I was a freshman and we got you three years later. That's all out the window. So those those things are gone. But it's you know I still love it. One of the reasons is I'm off of work. I'm down there having some cold oh, yeah. ones and watching Phillies and watching baseball. Oh, it's still a great thing. And the one and done environment. You still have the great upsets, and we saw it obviously. Uh, this year um all that stuff is still the same it's still great when you see uh uh you know a cinderella somebody like that but yeah i mean when you well, had patrick and ewing and chris mullen going at each other for four years yeah there that that's missing yeah. that's definitely missing yeah i i blame mike gill for that one if i move yeah, into the a stories place are great and they got and one I tv they don't have more than one option on the TV. I've got an option. It's called going somewhere else. I'm up and out of there. They might. They better have the best food on the face of the planet. Otherwise, if I'm going in and I'm contemplating watching sports while I eat, you're giving me a choice of one. No, see you later. Bye. Best yeah, luck. that's a bad job. They got to fix that. They got to yeah. fix that. I know. That's yeah, on, yeah. That's on yeah. you, buddy. You got to get up and leave that one. All right. You got up and left us last week. We haven't had you on since free agency kicked in. We're nine days in. Eagles have lost a bunch of players. They've retained a bunch of players. They've added a couple of new players. Nothing that's jumping off the page. Kind of like uh, guys will be given a chance to even compete, make the team. How would you rate Howie Roseman's 
now that the second season has started, his performance so far? Somebody tweeted at me because I'm kind of a known Howie supporter and always have been. I've never been the guy who wants to get rid of Howie Roseman. And he said, how do you how are you going to spin the support of Howie Roseman? I said, what, what has he done wrong? <laughs> I, I mean, I think they've had, you know, the whole slay thing was happening when I left. And then two days later he was gone and then he was released, but he really wasn't released. And then he was back. I said, well, that's pretty interesting. And then the Chauncey Gardner Johnson stuff. I mean, that story to me is kind of weird. I mean, they made him an offer, but then the, the agent tweets it out. I said, well, listen, he took a crap offer to go to a, a – and then his agent puts that out there. I just feel like the Eagles just didn't really want him back for whatever reason. Um, they, don't, they don't value that position. They replaced – I guess, who would Morrow replace? Probably White, right? In yeah, that, I well, would we, think. I mean, I, if you – I would think Nicobe would play middle linebacker and right. and, and Morrow would play weak side. Although ultimately I still think they're going to add a body. Um, I can't imagine they go into a season uh, with those two guys at linebacker, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. long way to go. That's the thing about, I, well, it's like people forget Mike last year, you know, how well, he says it all the time, talent gathering season, talent gathering season. They got, Chauncey Gardner Johnson on August stinking thirtieth. They got you know Linball Joseph in November. Uh, forget about James Bradbury was June. There's more time. There's more time to add pieces. Right. And There's I more think- time, but they also like I, I didn't think they were going to come back with Bradbury and Slay. You, you got both your corners. And look, the guys that they let go, you have to hope that you drafted well. Many people last year, they came at the result of losing a starting player from the year before. Same with Hargrave out. Um, You drafted Jordan Davis. You need more from Jordan Davis. All the fans who are now complaining were also the same people that were asking for more playing time from the guys who are now going to get more playing time. And I would imagine – yeah. Right, and, and I would imagine, guys, as you just kind of hinted at, John, they'll find a guy who's on the last year of a deal and try to find the team that doesn't want to re-sign them and bring that. They've done it with Ronald Darby. They did it with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They find that guy seemingly every camp that, hey, he's at the last year of the deal. They don't want to re-sign him. We'll give you a fourth-round pick. They got, what, five fifth-rounders next year? So yeah, they got so many picks next year projected. They're going so to get more. Keep that is the back of your mind when yeah. camp comes around and you need to figure out what position's still light. Well, we got five or it's five or six fifth round picks that hey, let's look around who's who's at the end of a deal. Who can we kind of steal from somebody? Yeah. So and I think then you got the ring shoppers. What you know? What if it's the, what if Bobby Wagner comes here and says, "Oh, I'm going to try to win a Super Bowl." What if Adrian Amos comes here? Not a great player, but he's got a history with Sean Desai. All of a sudden, you have Wagner and Nicobe Dean and 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 Adrian Amos and 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 Reed Blankenship. Everybody's happy again, right? That's how quickly things can turn. That's how quickly things can turn. Not saying that's going to happen, but uh, I find it very hard to believe the Eagles are going to line up with Nicholas Morrow, 
as a starting linebacker and Justin Evans as a starting safety. This is not going to happen. Can't tell you who it's going to be, but it's not going to be those guys. I can tell you that. Yeah. Oh, I, I would agree. I mean, Morrow is a guy who at least has a lot of starting experience. Has had, you know, he seems like a Kaiser White type of guy who was under the radar, undrafted free agent. I know White was a West Virginia guy. You're, I mean, but Morrow's a guy that, as he got more playing time, produced with that playing time. Well, the difference is, and I, I, I don't want to. You're right. He's by far the most experienced linebacker. But they want to get Nicobe on the field. So to me, that's why I say it's not going to be Nicholas Morrow because Nicobe's going to be on the field uh, for obvious reasons, ceiling, upside. You got to get it started. And I don't think they want to, I think they want a more accomplished, a more sort of, as I said, I mean, Bobby Wagner's a Hall of Fame player. So that's going way out there. But I think they need a more established presence to help Nicobe sort of grow. Yeah. That's my thought process there. I think Bobby, uh, Bobby Wagner would be a great fit. I think there are two chances of that happening. Slim and none. <laughs> Got to play Coach somewhere. Two. Slim just left the field. Uh, the one thing we found out about Bobby Wagner last year was he got paid. Yeah. He left the Seahawks and he got paid. He got paid so much that the Rams said, yeah, we can't afford to keep you, even one though you had though, a good Joe. year. That's the Bobby, point. Bobby Wagner uh, is a guy who always uh, keeps an eye on the he, – he's not coming in for less than market value would be my uh, stance on him, and I don't know that the Eagles are going to – at a position where we've seen them undervalue all along, all of a sudden go, oh, okay. Now well, we'll I agree for- with that part of it, but at some point as a veteran player, you hit that standard where you say, all right, I'll, I'll try to win another ring. Or, I'll take five or you I'm find not saying out, they're going to pay for him. They're not. Or you find out, him. like Chauncey Gardner Johnson did, the value is no longer there, or it's not yeah, out there exactly. for you. Exactly. And at some point, I don't know if Bobby's hit that point, but he he played very well with the Rams, and they weren't willing to go forward. Now they're in a the different stage; they fell apart as a whole. So there's no need to have a veteran linebacker, but. You know, he's more likely to go to Seattle, go back to Seattle. I'm not saying it's likely, um, but I'm saying I think the Eagles want a more solidified presence at line. Well, speaking next speaking of Seattle, by the way, that's the one. If Rashad Penny can stay on the field for 10, 15 games, which is highly unlikely given his, that kid's a, a – difference maker in the backfield he is an excellent addition but i have no faith that that guy can stay healthy he is just so even with up. the eagles the eagles seem to think because that's been the theme mike every single one of their signings well there's been two themes right they're not going to pay guys because they want those compensatory picks that's number one so they're trying to unearth these hidden gems and all of them uh, Rashad Penny, most notably, but all the other ones as well, including Morrow, who missed an entire season, uh, Justin Evans, who missed three seasons. Three years. Um, uh, and who am I missing? Who's the fourth one? Greedy uh, Williams. Greedy Williams uh, has had injury issues. And I just met Greedy and I forgot him. Uh, he's had significant injury issues in two seasons. So that's been sort of a theme for the Eagles. Are they too confident in their ability to manage these 
these guys with these significant injury histories? Well, it's funny because you think about all these injuries and the guys that they're taking these shots on, and then you go through their drafting. I mean, they took Sidney Jones. They were the team that did it. Then they took Landon Dickerson, who many people thought should have been a top 15 player. He works yeah. out. Sidney Jones doesn't, obviously. So um, I think the Eagles are going to continue to go down that road, and they've done it in, in times in the past, too, where they bring in the guy who has had the injury history. And you're hoping – the problem is you're hoping a lot of these guys nah, – I don't know about that. I mean, Greedy Williams, he's not going to be a – I mean, unless somebody in front of him got hurt and had to play a lot of snaps. Um, Penny would be the one guy I guess they're hoping of this group. If, if you can say, hey, of all the guys in this group, which one's going to be the one that hits, he would hopefully be the one. Let me tie a couple of things together. Uh, you just mentioned a name, Mike, so it uh, uh, pushed me toward bringing this up. Uh, John asked, do the Eagles believe too much, rely too much on their own ability to get an injured guy on the field more often because they're that good handling the injuries? Well, they surely were this year. You got to give them at least that much credit. Here's, I think, a bigger worry, Mike. We all seem to believe that if you ask an offensive lineman to change a position all you have to do is enroll him in Stoutland University, have the professor wave his magic wand, and the guy just miraculously changes positions and plays at the same exact level at the position he's paid for his entire life because yeah. that happened last year with Dickerson. I could remind everyone that they tried to do that with Andre Dillard, moving him from left side to right side, and it didn't work out real well. So it's not all – Jeff Stoutland's not batting a 1,000 here that he just – automatically puts a guy in the next position and he's as good as he was. And oh, by the way, they always continue to tell us, well, we, we've cross-trained him at that other position. When? They don't practice. They don't put on pads. They protect <laughs> them. You can't have both. We protect them so they never get hurt with injuries. Oh, but we cross-trained the snot out of them. And that's why they're ready to change positions. I just get the, maybe it's me that we put too much belief in well, because Jeff Stoutland says so, a positional change will be no issue whatsoever for this player. Are we just penciling in Jurgens as their right tackle? Go, oh, he'll be as good, if not better, than Isaac Sayamalo. Is right. that a bit of a reach or a stretch? I, I agree with what you're saying. And I look, I've never played offensive line before. Believe it or not, I was a running back. So the concept of what's going on up front it was a is, while ago, huh, big guy? It was a little, little while ago, yeah. yeah. Um, I had Trey Thomas on the show, and we were talking. I can't remember who we were discussing making the switch of sides, but he was saying, look, the footwork's all different. You know, everything is different. It's not just snap your fingers and you're going to play left tackle, then go to right tackle, and it's all going to work out for you. Um, man, I wish I remember who we were talking about to, that was making probably that. Probably Dillard. Move. was probably Dillard. Could have been Dillard. Um, but Might have been Jordan. I mean, Jordan – Jordan has that great, obviously great personality. He described it as, "Hey, go to the bathroom and try wiping with the other hand." It's not, it's not that easy. Yeah, oh, um, I remember, and I know that people will snicker at this name, but years ago I hosted a show with Danny Watkins. Okay, and yeah, he was playing Danny. left. Speaking, I think he was playing right guard. Jokes. He was playing right guard, and. He played left tackle in college, and the guy had very little experience to begin with. Yeah. He said the Eagles – he told me the Eagles were the only team that looked at him as a guard. He was 
getting looked at at tackle by most of the other teams. And he said, I never really played guard before. And he went from left tackle to right guard. And, and obviously he was a disaster or maybe he played left guard, but just the positional switch. Now, obviously it's mock draft season. I've seen some mock drafts giving the Eagles an offensive lineman at that 10th pick there. Would you guys be pretty surprised? Peter Skronsky from Northwestern, by surprised. the way, who, who, by the way, played tackle in college. And now yeah. you're going to have to say, hey, that's I mean, because, you know, there's some thoughts that they could replace Isaac like that. You mentioned Jurgens, who they drafted last year. Uh, so there's some options there. But would you guys be surprised if they took a, an offensive lineman at 10? Never. I'm never surprised when they take an offensive lineman. Literally never. You know, Lane has start. Lane has said, you know, he's probably got two more years. Um, so they're going to start thinking, and he, because you bring up Skaronsky, they might take Skaronsky to replace Lane, um, to be the heir right. apparent to Lane, uh, and start him out inside and kick him outside. You know, it's so ironic how this started. Lane Johnson was the heir apparent to Jason Peters. And then Jason Peters never left, and they moved him to right tackle. And you remember, Mike, every year it was like, well, you're going to move Lane to, to left tackle when Jason finally does leave? And yes, 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 right up until it was no. No, he's so good at right tackle, we're not going to move him. Um, now we have Landon Dickerson. You know, people forget when Isaac was drafted, he was the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey. Uh, the Eagles thought that his – eventual best position would be center because he's so smart and he is uh, uh football IQ and Stoutland always talks. He's got two guys that know what's going on at all times when it comes to the offensive line, which is a big deal. Um, and, and all of a sudden they had to move him, and they had, and one of the things they like about Isaac is he can play anywhere. He can literally play all five positions uh, and play them at an acceptable level. Uh, which is really, really difficult. Um, and then came Dickerson, who was drafted to replace Kelsey. And then he had to play guard. Now he's so good at left guard. We're not moving him. Um, and, 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 and you bring up, they might trap Skaronsky. He might have to play uh, uh, right guard early in his career. And they say, well, then we'll kick him out. And he might be so good, they don't move him. And they draft another yeah. right tackle. So that's say just what the Eagles do. I was going to say, Jody, to to retort to you on that, they do have many examples of guys who they have moved positions and said, this is where you were slated. Well, we need you here. And it has worked. I mean, even a guy like Driscoll, who's just like a fill-in guy, he's played both guards, he's played tackle. I mean, so they have had a couple of examples of guys who have been able to, to make the moves and, as John chronicled, make them change their mind on what position they penciled the minute. You're right. Sayamala was supposed to be the center five, six years ago. You know, you're a left guard. Well, last year he played left guard. Now you're the right guard. He's even some tackle, as you mentioned. So I guess it's been working out for them. Yeah. It's all, it's all Jason Kelsey's fault. Why the hell does he continue to play like the best center in football? He, he's forcing the Eagles to move these guys all over the offensive line. I'll go one further with you. If I were just speculating, I don't know that this would be the case. Maybe John McMullen does. Would you think that perchance Jeff Stoutland would be in Columbus, Ohio today? Because today is Ohio State's pro day. 
And I'll tell you that Paris Johnson is the best tackle in this draft, better than Skaronsky. Maybe not as versatile as Skaronsky, who people are just plugging into the guard to go back out to tackle. And Johnson's always been a tackle. No, the Eagles like him. They brought him in for a, a, a visit. And today is Ohio State's Pro Day. Howie, Howie Roseman going to the offensive line with the 10th pick in the draft? Who'd be shocked by that? Ask no one. Uh, do you think they got Stoutland in Columbus today to keep an eye on an offensive lineman during his pro day? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the Eagles do their due diligence on everybody. Um, you know, they're very good with that. Uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with travel schedules and uh, where guys are looking. But, yeah, I mean, he's in the you're gonna, mix. If you're going for... to make somebody to 10th pick in the draft, don't you need Stoutland at his pro day? Yes and no. I mean, they might bring him in for a visit. So, you know. I think they already have. So um, this is their last yeah, You know, they might go about things. You know, there's a lot of, with the draft, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, clandestine. You don't want to acknowledge your interest in players. There's a lot of nonsense that goes on with the draft, Jody. It's not just, oh. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's there. I would keep in mind as well. I. I wouldn't read into it either way, is my point. Well, and, and keep in mind, I, I don't know if you guys hit on this last week when the trade happened, but the Bears are now in front of you at nine. I would imagine an offensive lineman will almost be a thousand percent in that spot. I mean, well, I, I can't know. imagine. Deep, they need defensive linemen as well. So the, I mean, the Bears need. Well, if you're going to have the, so. if you're going to right, but if you're going to make the commitment that they finally did to this quarterback, don't you? That line is horrendous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you have yeah. to get them somebody to block up front. Yeah, Man. they need so much. They need weapons. They need, you know, they could go a lot of different ways. Um, and they don't make, you know, uh, I, Jody and I have been talking about this for a week because I'm not a fan of the Bears regime. Um, it, it, they have no personality. Like the Eagles, we know, have a personality, right? We're, we're just talking about offensive, defensive line. They're going to default to that. They have this sort of uh, foundation they're built on. And they don't really waver from it. The Bears, I I can't tell you what they're going to do. I I can't. yeah. I mean, they're they're just a wild card. Here's, here's the one thing I'll tell you about the Bears. If if people are going to get ticked off the Bears at draft day because they're going nine and the Eagles going ten, it's going to be because uh, Carter falls down to number nine because of the off field issue stuff. And well, if he does. I can tell you right now, the Bears are taking him at nine. If the Eagles want Carter, they're going to have to move up from 10. Uh, he's not going to fall into their laps at number 10. He, what did he get? One-year probation and a $1,000 fine? Was that the was that the ruling? So I would imagine that wouldn't affect his draft status, right? Unless people deem that he's some – Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the that, look, if, if he's not getting a nine, never mind 10, if people say, uh, uh, all right, that's it, Close the book. He's fine. I mean, yeah. the, the bigger question, there's a lot of teams that will take him off the board. There's a lot of teams that will say, you know, he's immature. Um, and you don't know who, who those teams are. <clears throat> if he starts falling to nine or ten, that's, you know, that's the question. I don't know who the Dom DeSandro is of Chicago, but that's who's got to do all the research into the kid and, and where he is. But from a football perspective, Jody's right. I mean, that's a team that needs yeah, talent. Well, and, and he's the most talented. He's the most talented player in the draft, and they need 
multiple defensive linemen. So, but it, they might, he might not be on their board. They might take right. him off as well. And the yeah, Eagles might think, take him off. I would think, I mean, outside, if you were waiting to see what the punishment was going to be and it, I mean, there was some talk. He could have done some jail time. I mean, it would, depending on, but it seems that he got off. I don't want to say off, but I mean, he, he got a probation and if teams think he's too immature, I think would be the question now as yeah. opposed to we're yeah. worried about what the punishment will be. And I agree, Jody, with you, if he's on the board at nine, there'd be a Mick Foley versus Undertaker hell in the cell match to go get him. And the Bears have already traded down once, and maybe would they would think to do so again if they've got background information that says this guy is uh, issues waiting to happen going forward. But I don't think they'll pass on it. They, they, they're in the talent building mode now <laughs> rather than the talent takedown mode that they were going into the season. So I think the Bears will call out his name if he's sitting there at number nine. All right, Mike, nowhere still five weeks away from the draft, and you, me, John, all have to do uh, continued more homework. But I'm hoping you have an answer to this question. Um, who's that day two, more like day three wide receiver? who's the best blocking wide receiver in the National <laughs> Football League because the Eagles have this massive hole on their team now that Zach Pascal has left, that they have to have a blocking wide receiver. Who is that guy they're going to snack up in the fourth round? Oh, shoot, they don't have a fourth round pick. Fifth round. Oh, shoot, they don't have a fifth round pick. Sixth. Oh, shoot, they don't have. So I guess it's the seventh round where they find the new best blocking wide receiver in the <laughs> National Football League. To re replace Zach Pascal, you got a name for me? They could have brought Mac Hollins back. Didn't he just sign yeah. a deal somewhere? Atlanta, um, I think. Hollins actually think. became a receiver after he left the Eagles. What's he his name? Football. What's his name? The Stanford kid is got the, the. He's got to be somewhere unsigned, right? You want a blocker? Yeah. Well, well you got to be able to play. You got to <laughs> be able to play snaps. So well, and listen, we just spent a couple minutes giving an expository on the tenth pick in the draft. There's a poss high possibility they're not in that 10th spot uh, or the 30th spot so that they can replenish many of the picks you just talked about them not having um, or adding, you know, a, a player, uh, you know, hey, you want the 30th pick. So there's going to be teams behind them that want that fifth year and would give them, you know, spots to get back in a second and throw a third in so that they can get that mid round stuff. So I wouldn't think they're even going to pick 10 and 30, but we got five weeks. It's fun to talk about. But Yeah. Well, that's what, and Jody, a little tongue in cheek from Jody there, because yeah. I said, it, it's a nice luxury to have. Um, you know, they're not going to find. J.J. Ortega Whiteside, by the way. I, I couldn't think of his yeah, name. J.J. Yeah, um, they're not going to find a blocker like Zach Pascal. So you're going to see what the offense looks like without that luxury playing 400 snaps or whatever, because there is no kid in college, maybe five years down the road, um, somebody can develop. Remember, because JJ, as you bring up, he could do it, but he couldn't play. He couldn't get on the field. He made too many mistakes. So he wasn't playing 400 snaps with Zach Pascal played. So it's a luxury, but it's one that you might notice at times next season. We'll see how that shakes out. At Mike Gill's show on Twitter, back in the saddle again down at ESPN South Jersey, the sports bash two to six. 
we haven't talked about C.J. Gardner-Johnson that much, Mike. I'll end it there with you. Uh, boy, that was a crazy story. I, I don't think – I think everybody in this outside buildings in this league got that evaluation. Not evaluation, valuation wrong. I thought we all thought, well, C.J.'s getting $10 million a year, uh, bare minimum. People were talking about the franchise tag, which is $14.46 million. Right. At safety, he got nothing. But that's not only the Eagles, that's 31 other teams. Uh, C.J. got to look in the mirror a little bit and uh, not be so upset, not tweeting and deleting all the time. Well, and that's and that's the thing. Is it that they are um, valuing the player as less than market value, or are they saying, "Hey, we're we're not sure that we can trust this guy to give him that fourteen combination." I think it's a combination. So the combination comes into play, and most of these teams say that's a position that we don't want to put a lot of money into. And if you're not that A1 superstar guy and you're on Twitter tweeting, deleting, you know, and I, I guess uh, this, this uh, uh, who was the safe, uh, Roman Harper, you know, he came out and said, well, one yeah. of the problems New Orleans had with them was they couldn't really trust them off the field. And that's why they didn't want to bring him back. So that gets around the league. And, you know, so, yeah. And then, you know, the whole tweeting, deleting, you hate me, this and that. I mean, it was like a bizarre situation watching this thing unfold. And then the whole thing, John, I mean, I, I defer to you on this one. I have never seen an agent come out and say, these are the two deals we got. Which one would you yeah. go? Well, with? well, I talked about that, but I, I, I don't know why they put that out there. But that contract, and I had somebody explain to me it was probably the cap numbers more than the actual contract, which makes some sense. But I, I don't know why the agency would put that out. Kevin Connors' his agent, who's been an agent for 22 years. I mean, he's not, you know, it's not his first trip around the block. He understands contracts. I've never seen the Eagles structure a contract like that. So I don't know what to believe, I, to be honest. I, right. I think that was misinformation. Maybe it was an intern at the company. I don't think it was real. Because I've never seen the Eagles structure a contract like that. Right. And, and the backlash from former players, you know, saying I fired my agent if that was him immediately yeah. didn't do CJ any favors either. And, and the way, um, you know, that thing unfolded, you know, I, I was in Clearwater, which of course there's a lot of Philly people there. When that was all happening, you would have a full bar of people going back and forth about this thing in Florida. It was like, yeah, did you guys all see this CJ. It was, it and was by the way, I don't know if you know, Mike, but Justin Evans, the safety, the Eagle sign the next day, his agent is Kevin Connor. Right. Same agent, agent right? Yeah. as CJ Gardner Johnson. So weird. Yeah. All right. Last one. I'll say this. I'll say this. He got a one year, $8 million deal. 6.5. Really? He can make up to eight. Correct. With the hopes then, I guess, to get himself back on the market. The problem is he's going to have to do what he did last year to show that I'm a consistent player because last year was his outlier season in terms of the interceptions. And I'm sure that's the number that they're throwing. Hey, this guy led the league in interceptions and he missed five weeks. Well, let me see you do it again and then we'll pay you. And that's going to be the end. I would say CJ should put Twitter down in free agency next year. Maybe Elon Musk runs it into the ground 
and it'll do him. It, it, he'll do him a solid. He's got to put that. You know, people forget the Gannon stuff when he threw Gannon under the bus after Jeffrey. Lurie, remember, Jeffrey Lurie was going to pay him more to be the Eagles' defensive coordinator than Arizona was going to pay him to be a head coach. And all of a sudden, he's throwing the guy under the bus. Eagles did not like that. They did not like that. Let me answer a quick question on that Gannon thing. The What he said with that, are we just assuming they were going to pay him more than Arizona was? Or was he saying they were going to pay me more than what most head coaches get? Uh, he said more than most head coaches. So, so it, it's Arizona may have paid him more money, yeah, but, but the know. Eagles were saying, we'll pay you like a head coach, right? People, yeah, exactly. But I would, I would bet that uh, Bidwell – is paying him less than Jeffrey Laurie would have paid him. Right. That would be uh, the guess. Cardinals have been a notoriously yeah. uh, underpaid organization. All right. Last one uh, for me, Mike. Yeah. And this one won't go over well with Eagle fans. I would say since the, the day they played their last game, the Philadelphia Eagles last roster is compared to their roster today. Not as good. Now, we still have a lot of time to go, and the Eagles do have two first-round draft picks, so there's a lot of uh, ways that the Eagles can upgrade their roster. But if you ask me to compare the two, what they finished the season, where they are today, I would say slightly less. I would say the Dallas Cowboys are slightly better with the additions of Gilmore and Cooks at wide receiver. The Cowboys have cut the distance between themselves and Eagles. C.J. Gardner-Johnson may like to tell us he thinks the Lions have a more talented roster than the Birds. Uh, he's sucking up to the new team and their fan base. Okay, we get you, C.J. Don't think you're right, but we get you. But would you say that the Cowboys have closed the gap between themselves and the Eagles? A thousand percent. There's no question about it. I mean, uh, I think the Eagles, certainly, your comment is right, Jody. I mean, they're not where they were at this point last year now that's taking out the progression of their own players guys like dean and and davis who didn't play as much last year might have to ask them to play more unfinished roster but they're certainly not the same team that left that field uh new coaching staff wildly new coaching staff in philadelphia dallas while we snicker you know that uh mccarthy's going to be the play caller now and well, then, know, snickering out loud <laughs> yes, uh, but they, you know, they haven't had this mass exodus of guys leaving. They've got continuity in Dallas right now, which is something that you know the Eagles kind of were lauding last year. Is oh, we got the same play caller for the first. Now I know McCarthy's a completely different play caller. So, um, but I think Dallas is certainly you know the Cooks deal. Now the problem with Cooks is he's been on nine different teams. You know he's learning ten different offenses. He's here, there, everywhere. I think the name it, it sounds like it's an upgrade. We'll see how they integrate him. Uh, but yeah, I, I think look Dallas. I think the gap was pretty small last year, right? It wasn't this wide gap between the two teams. No, um, you're you're both getting Eagles fans upset now. Yeah, sorry, yeah, but about you're that. right. You're right. You're both <laughs> sorry. right. Well, where sorry. I disagree with Mike, well, I think I think they're going to miss Kellen Moore. Uh, that's the only major change on the Dallas staff, but I think it was a change for the worse, certainly with McCarthy taking over the play calling. That isn't the reason why I think the Cowboys have closed the gap. I think it's more uh, player acquisition, not uh, coaching continuity. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. I'm just saying that all, like the Eagles, they took a hit with the coaching. We have no idea what they're going to look like, and, and that's a big change for Philadelphia. They lost both coordinators and some, 
in addition to taking some hits in free agency, Dallas kind of kept some continuity and hasn't taken the hit and they've had it. I mean, so, I mean, to me, uh, the gap wasn't all that wide. So it wasn't like Dallas had to come from far behind. It's not like the Atlanta Brave Mr. Freeze It race where the guy's got to when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply come and catch you by this month this race was pretty close when they started here and dallas has kind of steadied the ship and by the way keep in mind i think new york and oh yeah washington i think they're getting closer as well they keep kind of picking away at you they might not pass you but all four of these teams are getting moving in the better direction than in the you had years where the Giants were so bad and Washington was so bad that they were not even a factor. And this is when Philadelphia was just a mediocre, you know, roster. Those teams are are ascending. They're not descending. They have been descending for a while. They're both getting better as well. Truly agree with you on the Giants, not so much Washington. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's going to beat the Eagles next year. I don't think so. Uh, Mike Gill, it's good to get you back on the show. Uh, Sorry you didn't get better weather. You learned a lesson when you were down there. Don't go into a bar that's only got one sporting game on, and they might not put the one you want on. So uh, make sure you have uh, options when you're watching TV, when you're out with the missus. Uh, appreciate you jumping in with us today. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, bud? I'll be back. That is Thanks, Mike. Mike. One of uh, the Sports Bash uh, 97.3 ESPN down ashore, a frequent contributor. Yeah, he needed a week off to go down to Clearwater last week. We certainly don't uh, begrudge him that, but it's good to get Mike Gill back in the mix. Good to get Bo Wolf in the mix. We haven't had Bo, Bo on and shoot, I think, over a month, as a matter of fact. 
always entertaining, always good when he jumps aboard. He's going to join us here on Birds 365, coming up in less than 20 minutes now. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Is the best vacation one that you find? Or one you get lost in? One that takes you to new heights? Or reminds you to go with the flow? To get your feet wet and your wheels spinning? One that lets you find your own rhythm? Or get carried away? Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the wild woods today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Got you, Mac and Mac guys, here on Birds 365. Thank you, Mike Gill, for jumping into the mix. Uh, Gill, a weekly contributor here for us. Uh, uh, he got a little vacay time. Eh, he's working while he was out down in Clearwater, but uh, good to get Mike back in the mix. Hadn't had a week without a Gill input in quite some time, so good to have him. Very much looking forward to talking to Bo Wolf. Uh, not only really know what he talks about, but he's also got a good sense of humor. So I have some yucks with uh, Bo Wolf coming up in less than 20 minutes. I want to go back and uh, touch on something that uh, we talked about with Mike and the Eagles. I know the draft is still five weeks away, but uh, when they're reaching out and signing 
potential starting linebackers who you before the ink is dry on the paper, you're trying to say, well, but they're not necessarily the starter. And uh, depth is a they got to have depth too. Uh, so it's a, a free agency and the importance thereof has starting to dry up a little bit. So you look ahead to the draft, which could be huge for the Eagles, seeing as they have two first round picks, the 10th and the 30th. That's on paper right now. Uh, we've been talking about it uh, all year leading up to the fact that they're going to have a late first round pick because it's their own and it ends up being 30th out of 31 Kansas City with the last pick because they won that game at the end of the season. I think you probably watched it, John. I think you were probably there. I, <laughs> it, it probably yeah. did a pretty I good remember you're, you're there's only 31, as you mentioned, because uh, uh, Miami got in a little uh, trouble. So only 31 picks in the first round. Understood. Uh, uh, so the Eagles have the next to last pick, a little one earlier than you would think it would be. Um, and we talked about the fact that that can be a valuable pick in that a lot of times teams like to jump up into the bottom of the first round because you can sign a player to a five-year contract, which you can't do in the second round and thereafter. First round picks, you can add that additional year and lock them up. They get the free agency one year later. You got to pay them in that last year. It's not like they come cheap. There's a big jump up in the salary in the fifth year, but at least he's locked in and you don't have to uh, worry about free agency. And teams will be willing to do that most times to try and get their hands on a quarterback. Because if you're going to get a QB, you'd like to have that five-year lock-in position where you know you're going to have the guy for uh, five full years. Here's the issue, though, though, John. Is there going to be a quarterback that teams are going to be willing or wanting to trade up for to get into that 30th position? Um, everybody now is projecting the top four quarterbacks to go in the top five or six picks in the draft, which I have my own ranking and rating. And I'm telling you, I don't think Will Levis is going to be good. And I think Anthony Richardson may be this phenomenal athlete, not necessarily going to make him a winning quarterback in the NFL. So I I don't agree with the evaluation of the quarterbacks to begin with. But you do agree they're going to go. They're going to go. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Good luck to whatever yeah. teams get Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Uh, I'd rather be hooking my wagon to a different horse. Um, the only other guy I could think could be in play at that spot, and again, just me, I'll take a pass because of the age, is Hendon Hooker, who had a dynamite year for the University of Tennessee, um, but he's going to play next year at 25. He was in college football for a long time. He's got an injury coming into the season. So if you're taking him with number 31, you've already got a quarterback in place. So you're not going to rush the kid along, but you're going to have him for five years. Do you think if Hendon Hooker is still on the board and four teams at the top of the draft have already taken their quarterback, do you think there's a team in there that would be willing to jump up and give the Eagles a second round pick plus on top just to get to number 30? Um, yes. Uh, and, and again, you mentioned it, it all depends on, I, I, I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah, uh, who just came out with his latest mock draft and he had hooker going early twenties. So, I mean, it, it, we all know how desperate, uh, uh, quarterback teams, uh, can, you know, desperate teams that need quarterbacks can get, uh, so a, yeah. I do think that somebody would come up to 30 or 31 to get him if he falls that far. Um, 
And, and one of the reasons is is the option. You know, it's interesting. I asked Howie that question back in 20, I guess it was 2018, uh, when the Eagles were 32, um, and that was the Lamar Jackson year. And it was pretty obvious they were going out. Um, uh, and they did. And it worked out for both teams because um, the Eagles ended up getting, uh, I believe that was the Dallas Goddard year, but I have to look it up. Um, it, 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 he, it, and he, and he it answered the question in an interesting way because he said it's not just quarterbacks. There's certain positions you want that fifth-year option, and there's certain positions you don't want that fifth-year option, running back being most notably. You don't necessarily want it. Uh, as a fifth-year option. Uh, there are other positions as well. So it isn't just quarterback, but uh, that's been the history. Uh, there'll be somebody willing to trade up, uh, whether it's quarterback, uh, but it's very limited because after you get past Hendon Hooker, then you're probably talking about Tanner McKee, and I don't think anybody's trading up that high to get him. But there are other positions. Edge rusher. Right, but let me let me ask you about that. What position are you referring to? Just in general, and if you want to specific this year. Um. Why well, I, I I don't know specific this year, but the positions are obvious: edge rusher, offensive tackle, cornerback. Um. Right. See, here's here's the problem with that. If the Eagles make that trade, drop down ten spots, eight spots, whatever it is, somebody moves up, and they take a guy. At one of those positions you just threw out, edge, offensive line, corner. and the guy turns out to be a stud. Well, why didn't Howie just keep him? Why didn't he well, just why, take why the you always, At least if somebody takes a quarterback, you go, well, we weren't taking a quarterback, so I don't give a flying fart. Who they picked, you, you got to be careful if you trade down and trade out, and they take someone at a position you could make an argument that the Eagles could have taken and then had the five-year cushion to keep the guy. Well, yeah, but you can always play that game. I mean, that's part of the draft. I mean, that's no, always really, part. Would you play unless, that game of quarterback this year? Unless you get uh, – no, because they don't need a quarterback. That's but my point. Again, but, what the, but the difference is, yes, they don't need a quarterback, but they want more draft picks, as we mentioned. They don't have a fourth-round pick. They don't have a fifth-round pick. They don't have a sixth-round pick uh, right now as we speak. So how do you get some of that back? Um, if you want to take a running back, say, in the fifth round because the class is so deep, well, you got to find a way how to get a, a, a fifth-round pick, a fourth-round pick. One of the easy ways to do that is to drop five spots, um, you know, maybe get an, a, a fourth-round pick. Um, and when you do that, you're always – comfortable with you got five people on your board because you're going to drop down five spots that have similar grades that you're interested in that's the reason you trade down but everything you know look there's the best player in every draft you know whatever Aaron Donald went in his draft I think it was 11 all right the first 10 teams got it wrong because he was mm -hmm. the best player so uh unless you get the best it, you, you know, it's always a risk, obviously, always a risk. But if you're trading down, you're trading down because you're comfortable. You're going to get one of the players you want. I always bring up Devontae Smith. The Eagles went down because they thought one of the five players they wanted, they knew they couldn't get Zach Wilson. Boy, what a disaster that would have been. 
They knew they couldn't get Zach Wilson. So they had a group of five players that they thought they were very comfortable with any of the five. Um, and, and, and they fell down and they, they moved from six to 12 and all of a sudden they started popping off the board and only one was left and they thought the Giants was going to, were going to take Devontae Smith and they had to go back up and get him. That's sort of how you do it. You're always, it's always a calculated risk, but if you're going down five spots, if you're going down 10 spots, that's because you think a player you want is going to be there and you could add stuff on top of it. And how he's been very good at doing just that, the maneuvering on draft day uh, during his tenure as general manager. Uh, I'll stick to my point of if it's not a quarterback that the guy's moving up for and you're saying how he notes that, oh, there are other positions that uh, people want that five-year deal. So could the Eagles. They could want a player at a specific position well, if you like where player, they you can get the fifth-year deal. If you like a player, you just take him. Um, but, you know, at, at that's far more likely at 10 than it is at 30. You're going to have a group of players at 30 that you like, at least a couple, at least a handful that have similar grades. At 10, you might have one guy. And you might want to move down, but you said, we got to take this kid at 10 because he's not going to be there. Even if you're dropping down to 14 or uh, a very small drop, it's much more likely to happen at the top of the draft than at 30 uh, where you're probably going to have. And and that's why so many teams want to trade out in a typical year of 32, because the difference between uh, 33 and 34 money-wise as well, not just the fifth year as a whole, is much more cost-efficient. And the only difference between 32 and 33 is a label. One guy's a first-round pick and one guy's a second-round pick. But that's why so many teams want to trade out of 32. Um, the value's not there. Right, and we're, we're making this up as we go along. It takes two to tango. Let's say you're right. Howie's got a group of five. So well, we can get out of the first round. We don't have to worry about the uh, extra price, whatever. We'll just slide. But you have to have a team that wants to move up. If, if you think, well, we'll go from 30 down to 34. But the team from 34 has got to want to move up. All right, we'll, get, we'll, we'll go to 35. All right, uh, the team of 35. Though. Oh, we'll go to 36. All right, now you don't have that group anymore. Now you're going outside your comfort zone of the players that you would take in that thing. In theory, it's easy to talk about, but then you actually have to put it into practice with the teams that are slotted where they're slotted in the draft, and there may or may not be a deal there to be made. So uh, yeah, we can have this uh, it's always yeah conversation all well, day long, but you got to have the right partner that's willing to dance. Yeah, it's always fans are like, "We'll just trade it." Yeah, it doesn't work like that. You got to have somebody who wants it, and, and you know. But the good thing from that perspective is there are sort of the new blood of the GMs, they're they're more willing to trade. They all want to trade, it seems. They all want to add assets. It's always about, you know that, Jody. It's always about assets, the uh, the younger GMs. And and you saw it last year with uh, 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 Quesi. I always get his name wrong. Adolfo Mensa. He went down right, from, right. he went down twice from, 
I, I think it was 11, something like that. Then he went down. Then he went all the way down to 32. He's just trading down, trading down, uh, trying to add assets. There's more GMs like that uh, now. So people are more willing to trade than they were in the past. And how he usually takes advantage of, the, of those younger GMs. Mm, which if you can, you should, but uh, some of those younger GMs will be smarter for it in year number two than where they're at right now. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Bo Wolf from The Athletic. I've uh, been covering the Yankees for years, been sharing the uh, press box with Johnny Mac. Uh, he is scheduled to join us yet. Don't have him in the green room yet, but we're believing that he's going to stream in at uh, 20 minutes after the hour like we ask all our guests to do. We'll get uh, plenty of eagle insight from Bo Wolf next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome back, guys, here on Birds 365. You're lucky enough to get Bo Wolf. 
joined the fray with us today. I don't think we've had him on in over a month. Uh, how are things in the wolf den, Bo? You know, we're uh, we're we're hoping to hibernate soon. That's, yeah, would be nice. That's what we would like a yeah. break. Do uh, wolves hibernate? I don't. Probably not. Right. Uh, no, they got to move them around too much, Bo. Yeah. You know that they're 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 not sharks, but they're they're doing some stuff. They're athletic. Yeah, we're predators, baby. Yes, yes you are exactly. Um, I guess we'll start uh, with with Nicholas Morrow since that's the most recent signing. So I'll give you such I'll a fancy you, sounding name, don't you think? I know it sounds like a 19th century author playing linebacker yeah. for the uh, for, Nicholas for Morrow. The, yes, exactly. Um, I'm, 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 it, it, I'll give you a range: Kaiser White or Eric Wilson. Where's Nicholas Morrow gonna gonna end up on that spectrum? Oh, I mean, I think he's much closer to the Eric Wilson end of the spectrum. So do I. That's not good. Yeah. But um, but I also think, I mean, we'll see what the contract details are going to be like, but I I imagine he's signing close to the veteran minimum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, This is a guy that you sign to uh, have somebody penciled into the role, and you hope that somebody beats him out. Um, I think it's possible they'll sign another veteran linebacker maybe after the draft. They'll see how the draft plays out. He could even be like an undrafted linebacker who they hope beats Nicholas Morrow out. But – um, I mean, I think it's instructive to look at what the Bears did, right? Uh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. going to sign TJ Edwards uh, to replace Nicholas Morrow, and the Eagles are now on the other side of that transaction. Yeah. Um, I think, like, two things are true at once, where right now Nicholas Morrow is the best linebacker on the team because we don't know what to expect from N'Kobe Dean, but also there's a good chance that he's not on the team in week one. So uh, it's this is like the, the business that you do to – uh, paper over and band-aid positions before the draft, and then you see how things shake out down the line. All right, so do you think that in nine months from now, a year from now, uh, Howie Roseman is having a conversation with Sean Desai, and Desai is saying, listen, year two, you went out and really upgraded the defense for uh, Jonathan Gannon. If you're telling me how to take a step back talent-wise this year, okay, fine, but you're guaranteeing me next year I'm going to be here and you're going to do exactly what you did for me for Jonathan Gannon. Is Sean Desai just going to uh, keep it to himself for the next 12 months and be able to uh, run through the storm of the Eagles taking a step backwards defensively, talent-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think they are. Um, I think there were reasons to think that the defense was going to regress no matter what next season, even if they were somehow able to bring everybody back, right? Uh, Because they were so healthy, they got some positive turnover luck, those things tend to regress um, and they have a bunch of old guys. Right. And so those guys historically you would think would take a, a minor step back year to year. There were so many guys on defense last year who, who played above what our expectations were for them. And so I think like, even in a perfect world, you were looking at bouncing back from like a top five defense to, you know, a top 15 defense or something like that. Now with uh, you know, the departures and we'll see how things shake out. Like I think this defense is going to be bad or frustrating in the in the very familiar ways that past Eagles defenses have been, where they're going to be not very good up the middle, right? Like the linebackers are probably not going to be very good. The safeties are probably going to be mediocre. Um, and we'll see how good the defensive line can be and how good the cornerbacks can be to paper over that stuff. That said, I think it's like a, a fine strategy for the Eagles, just given where they are in this life cycle. I think their path to like Super Bowl relevance is to have an elite offense. And I think that's what matters more. 
And as long as they can have a top three, top five offense, they should still be fine. Um, does that, you know, a lot of kerfuffle over the recent days because B. John Robinson uh, Instagrammed a picture of being in Philadelphia in for a top 30 visit. Um, the Eagles don't take running backs in the first round. We know that, Bo. It's silly to say. I see you smiling. But I agree with you that the way back to the Super Bowl is to be so dominant offensively, you're going to win shootouts because this defense isn't going to be nearly as good as last season's. And I agree with you, even if Jonathan Gannon was back, even if they were able to bring back every piece by some magic uh, uh, formula, they were going to regress. They weren't going to be the same defense, at least from a statistical standpoint, whether it's, you know, old school statistics or, or, or new age ones, they were going to take a regression. Offensively, they're still really good. And if you add that final piece, and maybe it's Rashad Penny, but Daniel Jeremiah spoke about this. He's like, wow. You, you just start thinking about B. John Robinson on that Eagles offense. But still, no chance, right? No chance. I think no chance at 10. Um or in the top 20 if they were to trade back or something like that. I just, I don't see that happening. Um, I, you know, I, I think I once said like the, uh, the, the greatest trick uh, Howie Roseman ever played was convincing people he would might take a running back in the first round. Um, and, and I, he's never going to use a, a premium pick on that position. That said, I don't think it's insane to think that if, you know, for some reason, B. John Robinson was still on the board at 30, or, you know, in the late twenties that they might then consider it um, for the reasons that you said that like you can, if you, if you think that he can supercharge your offense, um, then, then that could be worth considering. And you're getting more like immediate value out of running backs on their rookie contract. Um, and this, and you know, maybe if you get five years of B. John Robinson, maybe that seems like an appealing thing. I just think in addition to the resource allocation, like first round running backs are usually, it's not a great hit rate. Um, like the, like even Saquon Barkley, right? Like who was this, who we were told was a generational talent he had two good years, right? Yeah. Like um, it's not, it's not the, the great bet. It's not the surefire thing that even like, uh, like a, a top 10 guard who you would think is not a great bet, but those guys are at least usually good. Um, the running backs are not always that good. Um, and so we've, we've heard this is a deep running back class. I expect that the Eagles are going to draft a running back in the first three rounds, probably. Um, I think we will see that happen because I think that's the, the place that they can add a, an immediate contributor. Um, but I, I think in the first round, I, I still would be surprised if Harry Roseman pulls the trigger. All right, let me follow up on something you said, mostly defense-oriented, but if it's an offensive player, please say so. Um, <clears throat> we all acknowledge father time is undefeated. Ask Tom Brady. Or maybe not. Maybe he comes back again. Anyway, uh, everybody gets older, and so at some point you're playing day in. So Father Time does always win. Sometimes he comes up and just hip checks you to the side. And you got to take a step back. And other times he comes up and just pushes you dead in the back and face plants you into the turf. I think we dropped Bo. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll wait until he gets reconnected. So let me run it by you, Johnny Mac. Um, Somebody from the Philadelphia Eagles this year is going to get beat by Father Time and get beat bad. And just there's going to be this massive drop off of uh, the production. 
And it doesn't matter what the Eagles are paying him or decided to pay him again because they re-signed him. Uh, Bo, hopefully you heard most of the question. If you had to pick one Eagle that you said, Father Time is just going to crush this year, that he's just not going to be the player he once was, this one's going to pan out badly this year. Who do you think the Eagle right now on their roster that they're counting on is going to be a guy who loses out badly to Father Time this year? It's a good question. Um, I th- I think I would lean towards one of the corners because, you know, Brandon Graham's not going to get 10 plus sacks again, but he's in a very specific rotational role, right? They're not, they're not counting on him to be a dominant pass rusher. Fletcher Cox um, maybe is not quite the same player that he was, but he too is going to be in a rotation. You're going to limit his snaps to some degree. I mean, I think there's a real possibility that one of James Bradbury or Darius Slay takes a significant step back. Um, these are, you know, the, the history of corners, uh, at that age is not great. Darius Slay is going to be, uh, 32 this season. There was only mm-hmm. one starting corner in the league last year. who was 32. That was Patrick Peterson. Um, I think there's a real chance that one of those two guys takes a step back. And that's why I like as much as it's nice that they have, uh, filled those positions short term in the draft cornerback remains like, uh, one of the most <clears> pressing <throat> needs that they have because they have nobody long-term that they can definitely count on. I mean, you know, maybe you love Zach McPherson. Maybe you have really high hopes for Greedy Williams, but I, I don't think that those are, um, you know, good bets necessarily. Um, uh, to kind of expand on that, Bo, the theme as a whole and how we has talked about in the past uh, in 2017, 2018, sort of learning um, from whether it's loyalty or whatever you want to call it, um, but they brought back a lot of aging players and you had a lot of choices to answer that question. Um, is that a sensible way to do things? And was how he's just paying lip service? Cause he showed a lot of loyalty to these guys, uh, familiar names. Yeah. I mean, the five most expensive deals they've given out are to guys who are, I think 30, 32, 33, 33, 35, 35, something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, in general, I don't think that's a good way to do business. I think you can take each of those decisions individually and and say that they were probably the right decision if you if you look at them in a vacuum. Um, like you're not going to tell Jason Kelsey he's not welcome back, right? You know, he's still yeah. an, an elite player. Uh, Brandon Graham takes a very team friendly deal and is a rotational player. That makes sense. Fletcher Cox. Once you lose Javon Hargrave, you need to replace those snaps somehow. He was probably the best option available. Darius Slay and James Bradbury, you know, did you need to bring back both of them? Maybe not, but uh, in lieu of ne- definitely having a, a safety in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, if you've, you figured that that was not going to happen, then maybe those made sense. But in general, I agree with you that uh, this does seem like to some degree it's going down the path of post-2017 when you tried to hang on to the core a little bit too long. Um, I, I think, the, I, as I said before, I think the state of the secondary is probably – what would worry me a little bit more than anywhere else in terms of the age. Um, like Darius Slay and James Bradbury were both really, really awesome last year. I think there's a, I think there's a, an expectation that they should both take some kind of a step back this year. That's uh, Bo Wolf here with us on uh, birds 365. All right, Bo, the Eagles have their work cut out for them in several positions because they knew they were going to lose a bunch of guys. It was just a given. They had so many guys in free agency. We haven't had you on since uh, the free agency period started. I want to get your take on the very 
um, open stance that Howie Roseman took when he got out to Indianapolis today. We knew we were going to lose free agent. We're going to be getting compensatory draft picks because we've got so many guys that are going to free agency. And that was a choice for us to move away from our usual way of doing business. That the Eagles have always been a team that have tried to identify guys, get a contract extension done, not even let them get their foot into the door of free agency. They didn't do any of that this year. And they said, at least for Howie, they did so because they didn't want to mess with locker room chemistry and mojo. They saw the possibilities with the undefeated start that, hey, this could be a special year. Let's not screw this up by picking one or two and negotiating with them and ticking off the guys that we don't try and extend. Was that a winning strategy by Howie Roseman, if he's being truthful with us? Well, I mean, you know, I think he would say that it got them. To, it helped to some degree get them to the Super Bowl, and you didn't want to mess with chemistry on on the road to a team that that had you know potentially Super Bowl championship um, like heights. And I think that's fair uh, because I do think that if you had say um, extended Marcus Epps midseason because you know you could get him on a team friendly deal, how is C.J. Gardner Johnson going to take that? Uh, probably not super well, right? Um, if you that's, wanted to, that's if, a guarantee, right? If you certainly wanted, CJ's and, and vice versa, right? Like yeah. if you, if how, do, how does Marcus Epps feel if he's been, you know, this good soldier the whole, you know, his whole time in Philadelphia and you're extending the guy that you just traded from who wasn't here before, how's he going to feel about that? You could say the same thing about linebacker. If you wanted to uh, lock in a good price for TJ Edwards or Kaiser <laughs> White, how's the other guy going to feel? Um, and even if it's, you know, Javon Hargrave, how's Fletcher Cox going to feel? Uh, there were so many of the guys who were um, hitting the market had like guys on in the same position group who were in a similar situation. And so I think that that was a real consideration for them. Um, and I don't know, looking back, like who they definitely would have done a deal with if it were a different type of season. You know, it, Marcus Epps is the guy who like sort of struck me as the kind of guy the Eagles would extend. Um, normally because he, it's, it's like they're rewarding the guys who, who came up. But I don't know that like we would feel so differently about the future of the Eagles if if Marcus Epps was under contract for, you know, two years and four million dollars or something like that. I, I think I think it worked out OK um, because they had to make all these decisions anyway, and there wasn't going to be a ton of cap space to begin with. But I, it, it is notable because it was a different way of doing business for them. Yeah, and I I think the part he left out was he didn't have a ton of leverage. Typically, if you're a nine and eight team, you can get these deals done, as you mentioned, Bo. Everybody's having a career year. I mean, that's not when you necessarily want to. Well, and usually they would do it in like September or October, yeah. right before yeah. before those guys have. Well, have late, Dallas was well. a little bit later. Um, that's if right. You look at if you look at that year. So, um, but you know when you're that good and guys are performing at that level, it becomes a lot more difficult to get those team-friendly deals. And let's be honest, that's what the Eagles want. That's sure, and the longer you go into the season, yeah. the closer you are to free agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we got to talk about CJ. I mean, it seems like everybody outside, and it's not just the Eagles, but and a lot of people do a tremendous job uh, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, does a tremendous job. Uh, Spotrax, I think a little bit more hit and miss. But everybody who does these valuations, Bo, outside the NFL, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson way wrong. Way, uh, and it's not just the Eagles because there's 31 other teams. Yep. 
what did we all miss here? What 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 is your take on on how things unfolded with CJ Gardner Johnson? Yeah, it's interesting. Um and it's hard to know, you know, from the outside, but but the there I mean there's two things. One is that like the safety market as a group has been much uh lower cost than expected. Well, um, but aside, Bates, aside Bates got Jesse, paid at the top. Aside from you gotta, Jesse Bates, you gotta right? acknowledge that. The yeah. middle, the middle class of, of the safeties has been much cheaper. And I think that most people considered CJ Gardner Johnson as like the one B to the Jesse Bates one A. And it turns out that he was valued as more of part of that middle class. I think he valued himself that way. And I think uh, his agents didn't do him any favors. I don't think they read the market correctly. Um, but I mean, there are obviously uh, some concerns from teams about like how CJ Gardner Johnson is going <laughs> to handle uh, getting paid it's there's that that roman Carp, roman harper clip that went around um yeah. i think it's probably instructive that two teams that have had him over the past year uh have wanted to extend him like wanted to to keep him in the building and then once that process began decided okay you know what maybe we're better off just letting you go um i don't know what the reason for that is we, we know that he's a temperamental guy uh but at the same time nick sirianni has talked about how much he loves that energy um, like he brings, he brings, um, you know, it's, it's often like described as that antagonistic, uh, energy in games. But I also think that there's a, uh, an energy that Sirianni likes that like adds a competitiveness to practice that might not otherwise be there. Um, and so I think the Eagles like that and wanted that, but at some point it became, uh, too much of a headache. It seems like. All right. The other big move they made in the secondary was, uh, playing the game with Darius Slay. He's going to be released. He is released. Oh, he's not released. Oh, they've worked out a contract extension with him. A lot of ups and downs and negotiations behind closed doors that we don't know all the details to. Uh, but they did get him dumb, done, and that probably did affect the C.J. Gardner-Johnson uh, negotiation. Um, D. Slay is another guy who's not afraid to speak his mind. He's not afraid to take the social media you think he's a happy guy right now you, or do you think he kind oh, of yeah. took I think the best very of happy. bad I mean, deals well first of all he's always a happy guy <laughs> uh you know he could have been he could have he could have been like kicked out of the league and he'd still be a happy guy um okay. but i think i think it worked out well for him um i think he preferred to be in philadelphia and he did end up getting more money than he would have if he had just simply agreed to the restructure um so it worked out very well for him like, I don't know if Howie Roseman's happy about how it turned out. You know, he did call their bluff to some degree, but he didn't make out better than he would have if Slay had just agreed to the restructure. Um, now, re-signing, extending him did allow them to open up some cap space, so it was necessary for and that. And wouldn't, wouldn't you not make the, that the most important aspect of it? They couldn't keep him if, if it was final year of the deal and he just put his foot down and said, hey, either release me or pay me what you're due to pay me. The Eagles would have released him. They weren't keeping him at the cap number he was at. Correct, correct. But And so that's why it made sense to then pay him a little bit of extra money in order to open up the cap space. But I don't think that worked out necessarily well in the Eagles' favor. And I don't know that it, it goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier. Like, I don't know that it's a great business to have two starting corners over 30. Um, do you think it was uh, down to they were going to keep two um, of the three in the secondary? And it, it kind of manipulated because I kind of got the feeling, well, originally it was probably going to be Slay, rework a deal with Slay, get CJ back at Bradbury. I think we all thought was just going to get more money. Right. 
Then it came Bradbury was willing to take a little bit less. All of a sudden, you get Bradbury back. Then it seemed it was going to be Bradbury and CJ, and Slay was out the door. And then all of a sudden, the 180. Do you think it came down? They were keeping two, and and when things worked out with Slay, the door was shut on on CJ. It seems that way, um, but I also think that they're probably, you know, they they really are pretty close up against the cap right now. Yeah. But I think that if there was a uh, a real willingness and hope to bring CJ Gardner Johnson back. I think they could have found a way to, to fit him in as the third, if they wanted him. All right, Bo, if we call it a luxury, uh, I've used that term. John's used that term. So I'm going to use it with you here, which was a more necessary luxury, adding a guy like Marcus Mariota, who can like Jalen hurts, run RPOs, make plays with his legs, not have to change the playbook when you have to go to your backup quarterback in case of injury, or Zach Pascal is one of the best blocking wide receivers in the National Football League. If they're both considered luxuries, which one do you think was more important? We know the Eagles have landed one out of two, lost one or the other. Do you think if they were choosing their luxuries, they chose the right one? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I mean, I think like the price tells you what what matters more. Um, I think it's much easier to find a blocking wide receiver who can play on special teams than it is to find a really good number two quarterback. Now, we could debate whether Mariota is a really good number two quarterback, but he's certainly being paid like that. Um, and I think that there's some added value to him being able to uh, keep some of the playbook like he talked about and not change the offense. That said, like, you know, the Eagles put up 30 points on the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew and he's yeah. the kind of quarterback, right? I, so. I always thought though that they enjoyed it, not that they wanted like backup quarterback so interesting because you and, and the Eagles value it more than most teams. But at the end of the day, you sit back when you have a good quarterback and you pray you don't have to play the never guy. gets on the field. I, I, I <laughs> never gets on the field, whether it's Marcus Mariota, Gardner Minshew. But I did get the feeling that you know, Nick was sort of energized when Gardner got to play because they had to do. It's a different, different problem things. to solve. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of fun. And, 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 you know, I think the Mariota is good on some reads and RPOs. You don't have to change as much, but you know, he's going to run the same offense, but more crappily than Jalen hurts. So I, I'm not sure how much that part of it factors in, as you mentioned, Gardner started four games. He was great against the Jets, and Jody will know, just the Jets. Uh, the second game, uh, week 18, didn't matter. Then he was really good against Dallas, a couple big mistakes, and then he was terrible against New Orleans. Overall, pretty good backup, I yeah, think. Yeah, fine. Um, and – I think he was looking for an opportunity. He's got a better opportunity in Indianapolis because at least he can be a bridge quarterback for two weeks or whatever it ends up being. Um, on the surface, it looks like, oh, Mariota's much better. Is he, though? I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I'm with you. I, and I think the Eagles probably w were interested to some degree in bringing Minshew back. But I think once he left, I mean, you saw that Minshew signed first and then the Eagles Signed Mariota, right? So it, it could yeah. have been that they were hoping for Minshew. Um, I, I think it's fine. I think you know we know how much the, they value the position, and I mean to be fair, Jalen Hurts has gotten hurt each of the past two seasons in his both of his full seasons as a starter. He hasn't made it through uh, all seventeen games, so it's an important thing for a team that has 
Super Bowl aspirations. And we know that the best path, as we just saw, to get into the Super Bowl is getting the one seed. And so every game in the regular season matters. And the margins between Marcus Mariota and, you know, call it, um, I don't know, uh, like Colt McCoy or whoever uh, are significant enough to, yeah. to, to matter. Um, I'm not sure about this. Uh, please correct me, guys. I think they signed Mariota before Minshew signed with the Colts. Uh, it might have been the same exact day, but at least that's per the announcement. I think Mariota was in the Eagles' fall before Minshew ever went to the Colts. Um, I may be wrong on that. I apologize if I am. But uh, I think the Eagles actually made a choice and chose Mariota over Minshew. Well, I mean, even if that is true, they may have they may have heard from Mariota that he was or from from Minshew that he was not interested in coming back. True. All right. That that's true too. All right. Uh you need the crystal ball out of your bow. Look into it now. Eagles 2023 season. The individual who will get the most carries carrying the football for the Philadelphia Eagles is who? Uh rookie who I don't know yet. Second or third round pick, I would say. TBD. I agree with you. Yeah, someone who is uh, not on the roster at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll leave it there at Bo underscore Wolf. Last one for me. Follow Bo on Twitter, theathletic.com backslash Philly. Read them there. Um, it, it's been a theme. I mean, there's a couple themes with the guys the Eagles have brought in. One, they don't want to ruin the compensatory picks coming up in 2024. Um, Rashad Penny, Justin Evans. Our buddy Nicholas Morrow, the 19th century author, uh, even Greedy Williams, injuries, um, and 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 maybe pick across the Walmart clearance aisle. Maybe one hits. If one hits, who's the most important? Rashad Penny. Huh. Of all these guys that they've, of all these guys that they've signed. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I guess I would say Moro because I think he's the one who's actually going to play. I mean, Rashad Penny, like when he's healthy, he's awesome. But they yeah. gave him less guaranteed money than they gave Boston Scott. Um, yeah, I think that tells you like what their expectations are for Rashad Penny. Uh, I think there's probably a better chance that we see Moro, like more of Moro than we see more of Penny. Um, and so I guess I would say Moro. But I think the the real likelihood is that probably none of these guys are going to be major factors in the 2023 Eagles season. All right. And I brought this up to the the guests we've gotten on since Isaac Sayamalu uh, signed elsewhere and went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I don't want to do it, but I feel I need to. Are we just putting too much faith in Jeff Stoutland as the guru of all offensive line coaches that he can wave his magic wand and a center becomes a right guard because he says so? That they're just going to plug uh, Cam Jurgens into right tackle and you're not going to miss a beat from Pro Bowl level play from Isaac Sayamalu. We have so much faith in Stoutland and it's pretty much earned. Do we just take it for granted? Oh, well, if Stoutland says he can be a right guard, then he'll be a right guard. Is Are we are we over projecting what Cam Jurgens is going to be asked to do and then be capable of doing, replacing a guy like Isaac Sayamalu? I don't think so. And I love... Isaac Sayamalo as a player, I think he was, uh, you know, very underrated and an important part of that season. But I mean, if there's anywhere in the NFL where you should be able to like mold a guy and, and expect solid results, it's between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think I think like the team is internally very high on Cam Jurgens. Like I don't think I don't think the like relative size difference between center and guard is going to matter much to Cam Jurgens. He's not a tiny guy. I um, mean, he's got long arms. I know he didn't play the position in college mostly, but but that's because he was such a good center. I think he will be fine there. Well, great stuff. Uh, good to catch up with you again. I had not yet in a while. We will try and put the request out earlier next time, certainly before the draft. We're going to want to get you back on, which is about five weeks down the road. Thanks for jumping in with us today. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. Oh, well, from The Athletic, uh, if you're not an athletic subscriber, he's worth it just on his own. Does such a good job covering the Eagles and whenever he jumps in with uh, the Mac and Mac guys. All right, coming back, we got to put a bow on this show. Got about 10 minutes left. Stay here with us on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Is the best vacation one that you find or one you get lost in? One that takes you to new heights or reminds you to go with the flow? To get your feet wet and your wheels spinning? One that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away? Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the Wildwoods today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Back, guys. Back 
for the ball in the show here on a uh, Wednesday edition of Birds 365. Got to give props to one of our streamers here. Show enough 215. Uh, I've now, with the last couple of guests we've had, just tried to lessen the load on the expectations for Cam Jurgens because uh, Stoutland is as respected as he is, not only here in Philadelphia, but I would say across the league as well, uh, that he just, uh, moves guys to new positions and they don't usually miss a beat. He hits at an unbelievable percentage. Like I said earlier, it's not a thousand. We all did see Andre Dillard attempt to play right tackle. Disaster. Uh, it's a tremendous batting average, but it isn't uh, perfect. Uh, I got to give show enough credit. He said, Jody, too much faith in Stoutland. He turned a rugby player into an NFL starter. He turned a rugby player into an NFL Pro Bowl level starter. So, yeah, I get it. Well, let's get, you know, hey, uh, Stout's the best offensive line coach in football, uh, maybe the best assistant coach in football. Um, But, yeah, you're, I I mean, let's give Jordan Mailata some credit. He's a physical freak. Um, Yeah, you're right, Jody. I mean, there's the Suo Pettis. Forget about Andre. By the way, Andre Dillard got 10 million sticking dollars. I mean, he's not a bad player himself. You know uh, uh, how I feel about that. No, he didn't handle the move uh, well to right tackle. That's fair. But he's going to make a lot of money in this league. And I think he's going to entrench himself as a starting left tackle. You think you think he sees the third year end or an extension of that deal? I I do. I think that's one of the best value signings in in free agency. Tennessee getting a starting left tackle at just under ten million dollars a year. That's a position that gets paid a lot of money. They are going to love that deal, and yeah, he's going to get extended. Um, it is my opinion of what's going to happen there. But then you have the, you know the Tesla stocks of the world. I don't want to pick on Sue Petta, but not everybody turns into a superstar. I mean, Lane Johnson's really stinking talented. Jason Kelsey's really talented and came up for a six round pick. And remember Howard Mudd got Jason Kelsey here. Right. Um, you know, Isaac Samala is a really good football player. Landon Dickerson, as Mike Gill mentioned, remember if Landon Dickerson didn't have all the injuries, he would have been a first round pick. He would have been a top 20 pick, maybe top 15. That's how highly he was regarded. Stout's great, but yeah, talent matters as well. Now, the good news is I think Cam Jurgens is a really good player. Um, so is he going to be as good as Isaac was last year, though? No, he's not. No, that's a lot to ask. Um, uh, Two years, three years from now, and he might be playing center. He might be an all-pro player. But I do think you have to realize, yeah, probably short-term, there's a little bit of a step back. But you got to get started with younger players. Correct. And that's why I got no issues with the Eagles as far as the moves that are incorporating a guy like Jurgens and or N'Kobe Dean. You have to do that. That, that's just a given if you yeah. want to compete in the National Football League and stay up at the top for consecutive years. At some point, you got to do a little roster churn and you got to give a young guy a chance that you're going to be able to plug in and pay less because they're on a rookie deal. You, you have to do that. If you don't, then all of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and go, oh, snot, the whole team's 30 years old. 
And you don't want to have that because then you are most definitely going yeah. into a rebuild. But my, like, my, my point, and you know, it's, it, it's legitimate. There are very few people that could have turned Jordan Mailata into what Jordan Mailata has become. Stout deserves a ton of credit for that. But what I'm also trying to say is you can't take any rugby player and turn him into Jordan Mailata. I mean, he's a physical freak, you know, so it's, you got to give a little bit of credit to the, to the player as well. Player and uh, those that even though Stoutland was probably out on the trail and probably was uh, consulted on whether to use a throwaway seventh round pick on the kid. Yeah. The Eagle staff as well, that whoever first found, I guarantee you Stout didn't find him on a rugby field somewhere. Someone else did and said, Hey, can I show you some film on this guy? Oh shoot. I could make him an offensive lineman in the NFL. Uh, it's, it's an organizational call to get a guy like uh, Jordan Mailata to turn in the kind of player that he has. All right, brother. Uh, I say we try this again tomorrow. You got another uh, two hours in yet tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'm going to meet uh, Nicholas Morrow today and uh, Justin Evans, uh, you know. Not... Did you find out anything from uh, Greedy yesterday that you said wow to? Uh, no, it's no. just, you know. it's one He didn't those. shake everybody hand, everybody's hand like Rashad? No, nope. nope, not like Rashad. But, you know, Rashad is the outlier there. Don't blame Greedy for that. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Give Rashad two players. Credit. Rashad Penny and, and Brandon Graham. Uh, uh, that's it. I'm, I'm not suggesting that Rashad did it because he's going to have a bunch of days where he's not actually going to play. So he's going to be able to shake everybody's hand because he's not going to be dressed for the game. It may work out that way, but we'll see how it plays. All right. Uh, I say you and I do it again. Be right back here tomorrow. You got Mac and Mac on Birds 365 and we shall return in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.